Hi, my name is Stacy McLaren, and this is the Creative Table Podcast, a place where everyone has a seat at the table because we are all creatively made. Today is actually an episode where I don't do any interviews, I don't have a guest on with me, but I wanted to take a bit of time to talk about something that I mentioned back in my introduction episode, anxiety. Since that episode, I have had at least a handful of conversation with others who have said that they too struggle with depression and or anxiety. And more than half of those conversations were with people who are struggling with brand new anxiety. And let's be honest, 2020 could actually be labeled the year of anxiety with COVID, massive catastrophic global fires, hurricanes, and now a political climate that is simply indescribable. Yeah, 2020, the year of anxiety certainly seems to be a fitting title. That said, there are many people who are doing just fine, and there are many others who have no clue what it is that they are experiencing is actually anxiety. So I wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about that today. You might be thinking, what in the world does this topic have to do with anything creative? In a word, God. We talk about God being a creative God, and that means that he made each one of us, every cell, every nerve, all of our synapses, so wonderfully and beautifully creative that even in these broken bodies, in this broken world, he has created brilliant people who found ways to help others through these struggles, through counseling, medication, learning the mind-body chemical connections. There is creativity written all over those. From another angle, you cannot walk into your full creative calling if you are not living well. And that means body, mind, and soul. So I really just wanted to share my story and my history and what I have walked through, how I manage it, and how I find hope in the midst of it. My creative path is lined with these stones of depression and anxiety, as I call them, and that's okay. So let me say this at the get-go. I am not a counselor. I am not a professional in the mental health field. I am just a regular person um, speaking from my heart and my experience of walking this road. What has worked for me may not work for you, but something will. I simply want to keep bringing this subject out into the light because too many live with the pain of keeping it a secret, and there is simply no reason for that. In a later episode, actually probably multiple episodes, I will have a friend who is a counselor on with me to address some of this as well. So as I mentioned in my intro, I have battled with diagnosed depression and anxiety for over 20 years. And I say diagnosed because knowing my anxiety symptoms and my coping tactics, I can look back and identify anxiety from my late childhood on. My actual diagnosis came as an adult after my first um, surgery and being put under anesthesia. Uh, My body just didn't handle it well, and my brain chemicals went haywire. At the same time, um, during those years, I was in the midst of testing and a final diagnosis of an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And that can share many of the same symptoms of depression and anxiety. And since I have always been a pull your bo- yourself up by the bootstraps kind of girl, as well as being extremely active in my church and what most would call a strong Christian woman, I just kept marching forward because I really had no clue what the truth was 
And even when I did find out, I fought it for weeks. My diagnosis actually came from my primary care physician. And I can remember that day like it was yesterday. I sat in her office and she said, Stacy, I think you're depressed and you're having anxiety as well. That didn't go over well. My response was to immediately burst into hot, angry tears and tell her at the top of my lungs, I can't be depressed. I'm a Christian. Looking back on that moment, I simply shake my head and giggle a bit because I can actually see myself and all the signs were there. She was right. But again, it would be weeks before I would admit it and even talk about taking medication. You see, the church has never really been super great about discussing mental health. Definitely not discussing it often and definitely not discussing it publicly, especially back then. Even though 20 years doesn't seem like a long time ago, a lot has happened in the last two decades as far as mental health and the church. So for me and many others, to, being, to be diagnosed with depression and anxiety meant I wasn't a strong enough Christian. I didn't read the word enough. I didn't pray enough. And worst of all, I didn't have enough faith that God could take it away. And it wasn't just me who had those internal thoughts. Several people in many of my circles at the time said as much out loud. Now, if you've never struggled with mental illness, you probably have no idea the level of shame that presents itself. And that's just from the internal dialogue that you have inside your head. Add to it what you think other people might be thinking about you, things others might be saying, and the stigma that is or was wrapped around depression and anxiety, and you have a cocktail shaker filled to the brim with soul-shattering pain, broken expectations, and guilt of not being a better person or the person everyone thought you were. All of those things are untruths, and yet they make for great stumbling blocks as you're trying to find health. There's so much more I could say about that time, but I will tell you that I did start on medication, and I was on it off and on for 10 years. I found great coping mechanisms, I had several great counselors, and some not so great, and I knew, or I learned, to know what my triggers were. All was steady and good, and that was until our son died in 2017. Of course, that is another episode altogether. But after that, enter anxiety again, along with a good dose of PTSD. Only this time, I didn't catch the signs. Another amazing nurse practitioner who saw me in the urgent care during what I thought was a heart attack took the time to sit with me and listen to me. Turns out I wasn't having a heart attack at all. It was a full-blown panic attack. The anxiety had returned full force with the grief along with the trauma that came from caring for our son for 18 months. That nurse practitioner helped get me on the right meds again, got me to a great PTSD counselor, Oh, what a major help it was to acknowledge the stuff that I had pushed way down simply to cope during that time period. And once again, I moved forward. And here we are, three years later, 2020, and it's back again. This time, I actually knew I wasn't doing well. I could see all of the signs. And again, I am in the middle of being diagnosed with a secondary autoimmune disease. But here's the deal. Now I know I need the medication just as if I had high blood pressure, I would need high blood pressure medication. I know that I need it for now. I may need it again, 
I may always need it. Certainly, I have God. I rely and lean on God and, and prayer and God's word heavily. I love my church. I serve in my church. And I know that that is key, not number one, but it's in the top three, just to having a healthy mental state as I serve others, I can get out of my own head. It has done wonders for me. I have community. I'm more self-aware than I have ever been. And yet none of those things has removed the depression or the anxiety yet. This actually may be, as I was talking to my husband not too long ago, this may be the thorn in my flesh. You know, as Paul mentions, his ailments, his struggles, his thorn in, in the flesh. It may be what I struggle with the rest of my life, and that's okay. I will continue to do all that I know to do and to seek the help that I need to manage my life and to manage my habits and learn as I go. Now, I will tell you this, 2020 has not been a good year for me to manage good, healthy uh, mental health habits. And so my first clue that I wasn't handling things well, well were that I felt like I couldn't catch a breath. And so as you learn your triggers, as you learn your symptoms, which may be different for each person, you will know when you start to experiencing them that you need to seek some help. And again, that's okay. That's why it's there to help you. And of course, I have struggled with God in all of this. Does God really care about me if he keeps letting me go through this? Does God really care about my anxiety? Does he really care about my depression? I mean, if he's good and if he loves me, then wouldn't it make more sense for him to take the anxiety away and make everything better? He's God. He can do that, right? I've wrestled with those questions many times. And I used to get nervous about what people might think if they knew that I actually had those questions about God. If I had moments of doubt, if I had worries. Remember what I said before about the people in my circles telling me to pray more, to have more faith, to read my Bible more? It's crazy how wondering if God really cares about our, our anxiety can lead to even more anxiety about what people would think if they knew we were asking those questions. It quickly becomes a dangerous and terrifying cycle. If you are having those questions too, know that you're not alone. I've had them. Others have them. I actually have them still off and on, but they are answered much more quickly now. Of course, I hope you know that even in the biblical times, people had these struggles. If you don't believe me, go read the Psalms. I mean, seriously, David says and asks some things of God that actually make me wince. And yet God listens and God answers. Really, go read the Psalms again because they are that good. They are rich with raw, painful expressions of crying out to God, asking if he's even there and if he even cares. And they aren't always very clean. Again, David can make you wince with his real and raw pain in verbal form. They don't always finish on a high note. Sometimes the questions don't get answered. Sometimes we don't get a clear answer. Sometimes the problem goes unresolved. But the fact is that the Psalms, these expressions of doubt, suffering, anxiety, exist as a gift to us. I think they are one of the ways that God shows us he does care, and that he does see us, and that he does understand us. 
And even when he doesn't take the anxiety or the depression or the struggles away, he lets us know that we are not alone. We are not forgotten and that he cares for us. He sees us and he knows everything we are going through. I'm not alone. You're not alone. We have a God who loves us more than we can ever know, who cares for us more than we can ever comprehend, and who wants the best for us even when we are angry with him and hurting. And he provides people to come around us and walk with us in human form as we navigate these hurts and struggles of life, be they physical struggles or mental struggles. So I want to share some of the ways that I deal with my anxiety right now, the tangible ways, the ways that I can actually put my fingers on, that I can put action to. They would work for depression as well. Actually, they do work for depression. Some obviously work better than others. And you will only know what's going to work for you when you try. So these are the th- some of the things that I do or that I have tried that have worked to help my depression and my anxiety, most especially my anxiety. So the first thing I do is I pray and I cry my heart out to God, not the sweet, fluffy prayers. I pour my heart out, tell him all the things in my heart. I tell him the things that I'm angry about. He knows it already. I'm not going to shock him with anything that I say. And I might find that my heart is calmed just in pouring those feelings out. Read God's word. Like I said before, start in the Psalms and just start reading. Do not get on social media. In the midst of an anxiety attack, this is the worst place for you. Too much nastiness, too many things to compare. It's just ugly out there. Just say no to social media. This one might sound odd, but take a shower, not a bath, a shower. Put the water as hot or as cold as you like. You don't even need to use soap. You don't have to wash. This isn't what that's for. Just get in the shower. Get under the water and let it run over you from the top of your head all the way down to your toes. Sit on the floor if you have to. Just stay in the shower until you feel better. When you get out, moisturize everything. You have no idea the chemicals that are going through your body as you are battling anxiety and depression. And your skin is the largest organ of your body. You need to keep it moisturized, soft, use whatever lotion you like, unscented, dollar store lotion, the fancy 48 hour lotion that makes you feel like a field of lavender, whatever you want and use it all over. Put on clean comfortable clothes. And I do mean clean. Don't put on your pajamas that you had on last night. Don't put on the sweats that you just took off before you got in the shower. Put on clean clothes. You would be surprised at the difference that makes when you're feeling icky in your mind. Drink cold water. Use ice. And if you want, add some mint or lemon for an extra boost. I like strawberries and mint. Again, It may sound weird right now, but I promise you it makes a difference. Cold water. Clean something. Um, It doesn't have to be anything huge. You can organize your, your sock drawer. You can organize your pen drawer in your desk. You can wash a couple of cups. You can do a load of laundry. You can scrub the bathroom sink. Don't get obsessive about it. Set a timer for 15 minutes and when it goes off, you're done, period walk away and do something else. Put your favorite playlist on 
the upbeat, dancey kind of playlist and turn it up as loud as you possibly can. Something that's got lots of energy. Sing to it, dance to it, even if you stink at both of those. Do it anyway. Make food. Don't just grab some dry cereal or a granola bar to munch on. Take the time and make food. Even if it's ramen, it's hot. Add something special to it, like a soft-boiled egg or some veggies. Prepare food. It tastes way better, and you'll feel like you accomplished something, and your body will be nourished. Make something. Write a short story, or a poem, or draw a picture, or color a picture. Fold a piece of paper into a paper airplane. Crochet or knit Get a piece of clay and sculpt something. I don't care if it's a snake or a worm. Anything artistic just to get your hands moving and your brain to disengage from the internal monologue that you have going on. Even if you're not good at it, just create something. Go outside. Take a walk. Take a deep, deep breath outside. Sit in the grass. Look at the clouds. Smell the flowers if you have them. Put your hands in the dirt. If you're a gardener, feel that soil against your skin. Don't put gloves on. It is important for you to get outside every single day. And even more so, go outside barefoot and stand on the dirt or the grass for 20 minutes. You'd be surprised how much better you feel. Call somebody, a family member, a friend, someone you care for. Have a conversation and listen to someone's voice. If you can't bring yourself to call them, because again, we are in the technological age, so texting is much more common, then text them or email them. Whatever it takes, just have social interaction with another person. Even if you don't say much, listening to them helps. If you have pets, cuddle them. Take pictures of them. Talk to them. Tell them how you feel. Maybe tell them how you feel about your favorite movie or a new game coming out or your, your most favorite book right now. Actually, read to them. It's not as crazy as it sounds. Animals love to be helpful. It may seem small or silly to some, but this list keeps people alive. Most of all, if you are struggling with more than anxiety or depression, if you are having suicidal thoughts, please call 911. Please reach out call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. I'll put the number in the show notes. Just call someone. You are not alone, even if it might feel like it. So that didn't really end on the happy, upbeat note that most of these episodes have ended on, or that I was hoping. But let me say this. Right now, in this season, more of us are struggling with anxiety than you might think. Let's start talking about it. Let's find a way to connect socially distant, of course. My steam valve this season has been a group me chat. And if you don't have group me app, get it and connect with people. It's been a group me chat with friends, two others, where we send the funniest and oftentimes most inappropriate memes about 2020 to each other. I can't tell you how many times I have had whatever it was I was sipping on at the time almost spew all over my keyboard because I laughed so hard. As dumb as these things seem, they are helping us get by. They lighten the mood, they bring us closer to one another, and they help us to know that it's all going to be okay, and we're not alone. And that's the truth. Thank you for listening. I know this wasn't a light topic, 
but I do hope that you know how loved you are and how much God loves to see his kids smiling and happy. But more than that, how much he loves to come alongside of us when we are struggling. He loves to hold us and to help us to get through to the next step. I promise next week will be much lighter as I just came back from a friend's trip to California where we sat around and had a great conversation about friendships in each stage of life, or at least the stages that we have been through so far. You won't want to miss it. Until then, go find a creative way to make someone smile this week.